0: Uh, well, now I, I want to I, I just ask you, how are, how are you doing? How are you feeling about starting out the brand new year? Tell your neighbor real quick, like, are you, you feeling okay about starting out the brand new year? Just let him know, like, maybe I'm feeling a little bit tired. Maybe I'm excited, right? You, you feeling all right about 2023? It's been going good so far. Marcus, how's 2023 treating you so far? You got like 10 hours of it. Is it okay so far? You're all right. Okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad Marcus is doing good. Today, as we start a brand new year, we are actually talking about new beginnings. Uh, The author Alan Cohen, he once wrote about new beginnings. He said, do not wait until the conditions are perfect to begin. Beginning makes the conditions perfect. So even though this is like the perfect time for new beginnings, uh, really, it's not that it's a new year that makes the new beginning the perfect time. It's your commitment to begin something. It's your commitment to maybe to continue your faith journey with Jesus. Or maybe as you're coming into 2023, you're going, man, 2022 was sort of a bust for me spiritually, and I'm just excited for a brand new, fresh start. Awesome. Maybe it was the best year for your spiritual development you've ever had. Great, let's keep on going in 2023. The conditions are perfect for you to begin something today, not just because it's a brand new year, but because of your choice to begin. That's what makes the conditions perfect. But with all of that in mind, because it is the beginning of a brand new year, we thought it was a great opportunity to begin something. And so we are beginning today something we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. We're calling this our 2023 Simple Start. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. In fact, we've been talking for a couple of weeks about some of the, the disciplines and the practices that we're inviting you into for the next 23 days. And today I'm going to talk about two that we haven't had a chance to dig deeply into Just yet. But for the next 23 days, as we begin our year 2023, we are taking, we're setting aside 23 days of intentional spiritual discipline or spiritual practice, which are designed to fuel our faith as we start our new season. Uh, rather than uh, asking you to set aside some New Year's resolutions, which we all know by the 10th of January, you're not going to be keeping anyway. Uh, we we don't necessarily, and by the way, if you don't, don't feel any guilt or shame about that. Um, and, and if you crush it, awesome, tell me. I'd love to hear a great story of a person who nailed their <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Uh, but this year, rather than asking you to put a bunch of energy into resolutions, We want you to consider some disciplines that help you to settle into something uh, rather than push into something. And so we've designed this simple start to be exactly that, to to be an invitation to withdraw from some things rather than to push into some things. And, And certainly this simple start will be stretching and challenging for us as well as it is designed to, like I said, fuel the beginning of our year. Now, simply put, fuel uh, is an acronym which means fast, unplug, examine, and lectio. Those are our four disciplines, and all of this is rooted in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, which says to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. This is the tone that we want to set as we are beginning our new year. I want to walk through these four practices with you. Two of them I'll just give you by way of brief review because we've spent some time, actually just a couple of Sundays ago, we talked in depth about fasting. And then I had a friend of mine, Chris, who was here a couple of weeks ago from South Africa, and he talked to us about the practice of Lectio. And that is our our praying through scripture practice that we are going to engage in Every day, So I'll give you a little bit of a review of those, and my goal for you today as we start this brand new year is to not only just inspire you to join us on 23 days of intentional spiritual discipline to set the tone for the year, uh, but really to understand why these practices are important, specifically giving attention to unplugging and a discipline called examine. Uh, Today, as like I've said before, we haven't had a lot of time yet to dig into those. So I want to make sure that you understand exactly what those disciplines are today. Now, can I just do like a sprint through the idea of fasting? In case you weren't here a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it, you may remember if you were here that scripture tells us that there are eight different kinds of fasting in scripture. I'll just tell you about a couple of them today that I think will be relevant for you as you're making a decision for how you want to fast with us over the next 23 days. Fasting can be defined as a temporary, willful surrender of food in order to pray. So, here at Life Church, when we talk about fasting, we're talking about surrendering food because uh, you might hear people say fasting is just giving up something in order to pray, anything that you spend time with. We would actually call that. Uh, We would actually say that there's a distinction between fasting, your food, and then the discipline of unplugging or simplicity, which is part of our simple start rhythm. So as we talk about fasting, we're talking specifically about the temporary willful surrender of food in order to pray, which is what we're inviting you to do for the next 23 days with us. Uh, There are, like I said, eight different kinds of fasting, but if we just focused on a couple of them today, you might be interested to know that there's something that uh, biblical scholars might refer to as a normal fast. The normal fast or the common fast is where someone would abstain from all food for a set period of time. Now, this is uh, not recommended to do for long, long periods of time. Uh, There are other kinds of fasts, like a supernatural fast where God literally will sustain you for long periods of time without food, but we are not recommending that you do that. Um, I'm not telling you to do that. If God tells you to do a long, sustained, no food, nothing fast, you better know that you heard the Lord. Uh, And please don't tell your doctor uh, that... Your pastor told you to not eat or drink anything for 40 days. I am not telling you to do that. The dramatic pause there was just so that that settled in, so you really believe that I mean that. But the normal fast is where you would abstain from food for a specific amount of time, and then normally during that time you're also drinking lots of water. You may also be drinking juice as well during that kind of fast. Um, Now, again, we're not necessarily recommending that you do a complete everything fast but some of you may feel over the next 23 days you know what I want to as for as many days as I feel like I'm going to set aside to fast maybe one meal a day maybe two meals a day maybe some of you if you have experience with fasting may completely fast three meals a day for a set of time. Um, If you have lots and lots of experience with fasting then you may be in a place where you are prepared to do that sort of fast. Please be wise as you make those decisions. Most of us, however, will do something called a partial fast. Uh, A partial fast is a limited diet, but not full abstinence from food. For example, you might You might fast one meal a day or two meals a day. would be considered a partial fast. You might also augment your diet in some way by doing something, uh, one of the common uh, ways to do a partial fast is something called a Daniel fast. Uh, You can actually read about this in Daniel chapter 1. We went over that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Essentially, you you want to be thinking that a Daniel fast is is essentially a vegan diet for uh, the period of time that you set aside where you remove uh, you remove animal products or animal byproducts. You would eat things like beans, lentils, nuts, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and then you would drink a ton of water, which by the way, anytime you're fasting, drink more water than you think that you should, probably by twice. right? Uh, just make sure that you're really hydrating yourself as you're fasting. Uh, So, you can augment your diet if you have questions about how to augment your diet. uh, We can speak after service. We can uh, offer you some resources. You can do some research on how to do a Daniel fast, or you can make a commitment to simply skip a meal or two meals a day uh, during the next 23 days. All of that is up to your discretion, uh, using wisdom for what is physically healthy for your body. But however you choose to fast, I want you to remember this. First, that the purpose of fasting is not to say uh, that I am super Christian. The purpose of fasting is also not to lose weight. The purpose of fasting is to increase your dependency on God through prayer. So hunger during a fast actually becomes an alarm bell inviting you back to prayer. So we intentionally put our physical body in a position where we are reminded of our need for sustenance, and then we, we respond to that reminder of our need for sustenance by saying, I have a greater need, which is my need for God. Yeah. And so I lean into prayer during a time of fasting. Uh, and again, let me just say one more time so it's abundantly clear, fasting should never be done at your own physical risk. Uh, Please do not do that. If you have questions about the physical effects of fasting on your own body, which you know better than I do, your own body, we do encourage you to speak to a medical practitioner and ask any questions and be wise. But we also invite you to take a step of faith during a fast. And Blend those two things together. And if you have questions about that, I would be honored to speak with you today after service to help you figure out how to nail down the details of your personal fast. Deal? That said, I think we can move on from fasting. If you have more questions about it, we'll talk after service or go back on YouTube and watch a couple of Sundays ago where we talked more in detail about fasting. I'll give you a brief overview of our Lectio practice as well. The full name of this practice is Lectio Divina, which is an old term which means divine reading. Now Lectio is an ancient practice of prayerfully reading scripture and then allowing Scripture to read you in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So rather than just reading scripture to check it off the box, you slow down. And it's almost as if you are praying the scripture as you are reading the word of God. And in fact, that's a helpful acronym for us to pray scripture as uh, this is our practice and our rhythm during our Lectio Divina. We're going to walk through a sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5 chapter 6 and into chapter 7 as Jesus sits down on the side of a mountain and together each day we have broken the Sermon on the Mount into 23 different sections and you will just read sections of the Sermon on the Mount. For example, our Lectio Divina reading today is Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 10. This is where Jesus sits down on the side of a mountain. He begins to teach the disciples who show up to listen to him. And he actually gives us uh, all of the, the blessed. Blessed are, for example, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Or in other translation says, they will be satisfied, which is a, which is a great uh, picture. So these are the, this is the passage that we call the Beatitudes. And each day you'll pray with us through a portion of scripture. Prayer, Uh, praying through scripture is an acronym which means that we pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we read. We then read the passage two or three times, slowly, out loud, inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to us, noticing anything that stands out. We then ask God to reveal his wisdom to us as we pray and as we read. And then fourth, we yield our lives to anything that God speaks to us. We surrender, submit our lives. We ask for peace and forgiveness and guidance as it is needed. And in this way, we pray through Scripture. And for the next 23 days, counting today, we will pray through the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be a good experience. If you want to follow along with that prayer, you can go to simple start. That website is a list of the disciplines we're practicing for the next 23 days and also a place where you can sign up for an email that will send you the format of the Lectio reading for every single day. Uh, that's separate from your being signed up to the Life Church email address. So if you think I'm already signed up for Life Church emails, you need to go and separately sign up for this email. Uh, or you can just go and catch the reading listed there on avlife.church slash simple start. Okay, so we've talked a lot more in other moments about fasting and Lectio. What we need to talk about today are these two very important disciplines called Unplug and Examine. And by the way, when we take a Sunday like this out and we talk specifically about disciplines, we're inviting you to practice these disciplines over the next 23 days, but we're really actually inviting you even to think about ways that these will shape and mold, form your life into the image of Christ for the rest of your life right? So unplugging is a really important spiritual discipline, especially for those of us moving into 2023. Now, you may hear the term unplug. You might also hear a specific version or term within unplugging. That term that I'll throw around every now and then is the term digital simplicity, Digital simplicity feels a little bit like uh, rebellion against the pace of the world that we live in where everything is trying to draw our attention away from God. So unplugging or digital simplicity can be defined as the practice of avoiding all forms of digital media for a season or for a recurring period of time each day. So digital simplicity or unplugging is literally that. It is to unplug from digital media for a a set period of time. In this case, 23 days is what you're being invited into. And and I would say we desperately need to learn this practice, not just for the next 23 days, but to some degree for the rest of our lives. I was looking at some recent research, and this research shows that in the year 2022, which we just ended. American media usage of people over the age of 18 was eight hours and nine minutes every single day. On average, eight hours and nine minutes every single day. Now, I want you to note that these numbers are regardless of multitasking. So you know those moments where, like (laughs) Deb and I talk about this a lot, like I'll get some work done, but I'll have my iPad playing a TV show in the background, right, or I'll I'll have my computer but I'll have my my AirPods in and I'm listening to something, some music or something in the background while I'm writing. I'm multitasking, it's almost like I'm, I'm double dipping into digital media. Uh, so when we take into account times when we're wor- doing work with TV, music in the background, all of that adds up. When you combine digital media with traditional media, so if you're one of those people who still reads a paper newspaper, or you're like my daughter Sayla, who's getting into reading uh, a- an actual book while holding the book in her hand, <laughs> do you know you could still do that? <laughs> Selah has discovered that this is a thing that you can do. And she sits in her room and she's reading this book. She's just eating this book. up. So that counts as something we would call traditional media. So when you combine digital and traditional media together, statistics show that the average American adult, people over the age of 18, engages in digital and traditional media for, get this, 93 hours a week. That's over 50% of your time every week that you're engaging in some kind of media. Now, subtract that the average person will sleep about six nights, or six, six nights, six hours a week. Some, some of you feel right now that you need to sleep for six nights. But the average American adult will sleep about, or, or somewhere around six hours a night. That's uh, 42 hours of sleep on average a week, which leaves us with 33 hours a week, or about five hours a day, of being awake and not using media for adults. Now consider your children. Pew Research shows that in 2022, 97% of teenagers say that they use the internet, quote, almost constantly. Right? When I read those words almost constantly and 97% of teenagers in America, I suddenly had an image flash in my mind of the number of times I've had a conversation with a person under 18 who has an earbud in their ear while I'm talking to them. And, I, and I, I'll often ask them, what are you listening to? And they go, oh, music, which what they don't realize, what they just told me was, what they said was not you. <laughs> Right? I'm listening to Not You. This is my favorite song. (laughs) 97% of American teenagers do not have an hour in their day where they are not engaging in media. And this is impacting our lives. If you have done any kind of research as a parent, I hope that you have done this research, on the impacts of things like Instagram and TikTok on the human mind, on the ways that the algorithm is intentionally designed to draw our attention and to create addiction, then you would know that we need to break from digital media as often as we possibly can. And I would say, maybe you're sitting in the room going, well, I don't have a problem with media well, I guarantee you your children do. Grandparents, I guarantee you your, grandpa- your grandchildren do. I would tell you this, that if a young person comes to you right now and tells you that they do not have an addiction to media problem, they are either lying or do not know what it means to be addicted. And I tell you that not in any way, in, in jest, in any way, research has been done to show that People under the age of eighteen who who have uh, who get their cell phone taken away from them for even as much as fifteen minutes begin to ex- to to demonstrate the signs of drug withdrawal, physical twitchiness, anxiety, emotional and mental health issues, almost immediately from the withdrawal, because you have a drug in your pocket at all times. And we've raised an entire generation that says you cannot be human if you don't have one of these with you. We need to unplug. And even if you don't feel like you need to, you need to set the tone for the next generation to tell them being a human does not mean you are a person with a computer. This is a serious need that we have to unplug. And so, we, we have to come to terms with the impact of digital media. In his book, Digital Minimalism, Cal Newport writes, increasingly, social media apps and the like dictate how we behave and how we feel. And some even coerce us to use them more than we think is healthy, often at the expense of other activities that we find more valuable. Have you ever, uh, have you ever gone on the internet And then all of a sudden, an hour later, you you don't even know what you just looked at. Uh, My friend Trey Van Camp, in his book, The Non-Anxious Pastor, he writes this almost as as a function of confession about his own challenges. He says, social media, television shows, and network news seduce us to believe we don't need God. Day by day, we are slowly formed to believe we can possess traits that are unique to the Trinity such as retaining knowledge in every arena of thought. Just think about this. He's, he's, my friend Trey is making the argument that the way we engage the internet has actually tricked us into thinking we can do things that actually only God can do, such as retaining knowledge in every arena of thought, existing in every place of the universe, and using words to build up or to tear down our world. The convenience of the digital world has normalized our liberation from God at an alarming rate. We also don't realize how many narratives are being forced upon us through subtle and subversive storytelling. Trey goes on to write about how even as a pastor, he finds himself at times thinking the same way that the world's self-help books would think. Rather than coming to Scripture, he's going go to go uh, to Instagram to find solutions to his problems. And maybe for you, you're thinking, well, I don't go to Instagram to find solutions to our problems. Well, we'll age it up a little bit and say Fox News or CNN. We do this. We have actually, all of us, been raised in a society that teaches us to find solutions, to normalize finding answers to problems in the language of the world. And we are not people of the world. We are people of the word. Right? Here, as as we commit to be people who follow the way of Jesus, we're not saying everything about the world is bad. And I'm certainly not saying everything about the media you consume is bad. I mean, some of it is garbage. Just stop. But Not everything that we consume in the media is bad. Unplugging is about plugging back into something that is better. Right? Okay. And and I will say as a caveat, as I've already said, not all media is bad. You might make a distinction between Christian and secular media, which I don't think any media can actually be Christian. Only people can be Christian. But I think you understand what we mean by that term. But I would go so far as to say that not even all of our Christian media is actually good for our soul. I mean, if you've watched any Christian media over the last several years, you know that some of us as Christian media makers uh, are just as angry and hate-filled as those that we say that we're better than. So good or bad, even... Uh, Even the best media, any kind of overuse of even the best forms of media can dull our senses and limit our ability to hear from and engage with God. And I would say, on an eternal scale, uh, whatever we give our attention to molds us in some way. The question is the question of unplugging is what are you giving your attention to? Because whatever that is is shaping you into the image of something. And I can see in my life when I don't unplug from media for a time then I am very quickly finding places where I am being molded into the image of something that I'm not interested in, being, in looking like. On an eternal scale, I want to look more and more like Jesus. And the way I do that is to unplug from the things that shape me to look like something other than him and so that I can give more attention to the word so we practice unplugging so that we can learn by the wisdom of psalm 27 verse 4 that says the one thing i ask of the lord the thing i seek the most is to live in the house of the lord all the days of my life delighting in the lord's per- the lord's perfections and meditating in his temple or psalm 46:10 is a is a great passage about a great uh, phrase about unplugging be still and know that i am god which by the way is uh, that's god speaking not you Right? It's not, Tim says, be still and know that Tim is God. No! That's actually one of the problems I have. So I have to unplug, and God then says to me, Tim, be still and know that I'm God. You're not. Right? Be still. Unplugging invites me into the stillness. Simply put, we unplug from media consumption so we can plug into God's kingdom. So, for our 2023 simple start, you can practice the discipline of unplugging in uh, at least one of two ways. You might find some creative ways to engage this discipline, but I would recommend at least one of two ways. Number one, completely unplug from all media possible for 23 days. Now, I understand that you already thought, but I have a job. I get it. Uh, Do that job. And if your job requires you to engage in media, don't get fired for the sake of a simple start. Okay, So uh, no media that is rec- not required for work for 23 days. A, a second way that you could engage in this, di- in this discipline of unplugging would be to unplug from media for a set amount of time each day. Like, I know, actually, families who just have a, a discipline of unplugging perpetually, where they say, when you walk into the front door, there's a bucket. You put your cell phone in it. You don't get to touch it again until you go to work tomorrow. And if you need to get a hold of me, there's a way that you can get a hold of me for emergencies, right? Or maybe you say, I'm going to, maybe you actually going to do what Hannah and Selah committed to do with their unplug commitment, is they said, we're going to limit our social media use to no more than 15, 15 minutes, one five, 15 minutes every day for 23 days. And for a person under 18, that's actually a significant commitment, right? So I was really proud of them. They came up with that all on their own. They said, we're going to limit our social media engagement across every platform to no more than 15 minutes every 24-hour period. So that's one way that you could augment your use of social media. And then as a family, we just said, look, we're going to, even in music, we're just going to listen only to music that is uh, worship music uh, or, or Christian music for the next 23 days. Uh, I listen to some punk rock every now and then, and uh, I'm an old punk rock guy, and so I, I like that kind of stuff. But I'm even going to just limit, just say, you know what, just intentionally for the next 23 days, I'm just going to listen to worship music, just just to unplug from anything that doesn't remind me or point me directly to Jesus. Now, As we talk about unplugging, I I just wanted to say one more quick statement about mental health. Um, Research shows that up to 33 million Americans are likely addicted to social media and the internet. Uh, Globally, that number goes anywhere between 120 to 200 million people are addicted to specifically social media and more broadly, the internet. That means that many of us. Many of us, even some of this in, this in the room or watching this online, will experience physical, emotional, and mental withdrawal symptoms while being unplugged. And we are not unsympathetic to that. Uh, we are not the church that says, who cares about how you're feeling, just do the right thing. We want to make sure that you know that we are uh, we, we have empathy for you in the places where this might be a struggle. And if that is the case... I would be deeply honored to talk with you and walk with you through a process of a more long-term discipline of withdrawing in a healthy way so that you don't undo your entire life and unravel your emotions because you're realizing that you might actually be addicted to something. The second thing I want to say about that is, to, that is, and we say this often at the church, is that if you are now thinking, oh no, I might have become addicted to my cell phone, remember that Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not saying this to make you feel bad, but because we love you, things like the discipline of unplugging help us to get free from anything that binds us. Yes? Okay, so I just wanted to make sure that I said that. So if you are thinking, I can't do this because I have an addiction problem or this is going to make me feel anxiety in any way, you don't have to feel alone in that. And please don't feel any shame in that. We want to help you as you journey through your freedom. And over the next 23 days, let's also lean into prayer so that you can experience the freedom, even miraculously, the freedom that God can bring to your life. Amen? Okay, so we talked about unplugging, and hopefully you feel inspired as much, maybe more so, than you feel convicted or challenged. Uh, The next thing that I want to talk with you about today, this next discipline, and this will be the last of our four disciplines that we'll talk about in this build-up to kick-starting our simple start, is the discipline or the practice of examine. Uh, Examine, E-X-A-M-E-N, the discipline of examine, is like when somebody comes to you and says, how are you doing? Have you ever had somebody just come up to you and say, how are you doing? And then you go, oh, I'm good. But they, they, they know that you didn't really mean it. And so what they say is, no, how are you really doing? And now you're on the hook to give an honest answer to that question, right? Or it's like when I pick my kids up from school and I go, how was your day? And they give me a one-word answer. Parents, you already know what the one-word answer is. They go, good. Or sometimes it's not even a word. They go, meh. Right? Examine is like being the person who learns to ask yourself a better question than, hey, how are you doing? Or how was your day? It's learning how to ask the question that I now have learned to ask my kids when I pick them up from school, which is rather than how was your day, I've learned to say, tell me what happened today. Or tell me if anything interesting happened today. Or did anything painful or uncomfortable happen today? See how these are broad; like, these are more powerful questions, right? Rather than, how was your day? Good. Bad. Meh. Or my favorite, hmm. <laughs> I used to give my mom that one all the time. How was your day? Hmm. As I learned to ask my kids better questions, Examine is asking my own soul better questions so that I can become the gift to myself to say, how are you actually doing? So the discipline of examine uh, is something that actually has been going on in the body of Christ for, since the 16th century. A guy named Ignatius of Loyola uh, popularized this simple framework of reflecting on what he called consolation and desolation, which are big fancy terms, which may, basically uh, you will remember this. If you've ever sat around a kitchen table or a dining room table and someone says, let's do highs and lows, You ever been in the house where someone has said, let's talk about the highs of the day and the lows of the day? That's a 16th century spiritual discipline. Popularized by a guy named Ignatius of Loyola, and he didn't say highs and lows. He said consolation and desolation. Desolation is a, is a great term. Consolation means those things that bring us life or draw us near to God and desolation, you might think of like the desolation of Smaug if you saw the, the Hobbit movie or, or read the book, right? Uh, Desolation is a word that means death, decay, something that feels destructive. And it's a very dramatic term to ask yourself the question, where did I feel far from God today? Or where did I feel like the trajectory of my life was moving towards decay? Which I actually love the the drama of desolation, of asking myself about desolation. Because it allows me, not only, it doesn't just allow me to be dramatic, it allows me to be honest. Right? Oh, not everything about my Christian life has to be blessed and highly favored. I can actually like have a real feeling that isn't positive sometimes. The examine invites you to have real feelings that aren't all positive and beautiful and wonderful and blessed. Uh, in her book, The Handbook on Spiritual Disciplines, which I reference a lot around here, Adele Alberg Calhoun writes, The examine provides a way of noticing where God shows up in our day. It is a practice that attends to what we might otherwise miss in the press of duties and business. The questions of the examine open our attention to how God's internal movement is present in our external comings and goings. In other words, it's a way for us to stop and say, what did I do today and where was God? Was he near me? Was he far from me? Was I aware of his presence or did I overlook it? The focus of the daily examine is on finding God in the highs and the lows of every single day. So the question then is, how do we practice the daily exam? And now there's no perfect way to do it, but I would recommend you set aside 15 to 20 minutes for a daily exam, and you might be able to do it in 10, but I recommend up to 20. And I'm going to give you five steps to practice a daily exam, and then we are going to practice this together for the next 23 days. So here is step number one: prepare your space and yourself. I strongly recommend that you set a timer. The reason you set a timer, uh, I, for example, have a countdown timer that has a bell at the end of it. You might just set a 20-minute alarm or a 15-minute or a 10-minute alarm on your phone. This way, you're not constantly looking back at your phone, distracting yourself with the question, how long have I been doing this? But you just trust that your phone will tell you when the time is up, right? So I set a timer, which is not to limit your time, but to, again, make sure that you don't get up or get distracted before the time goes off. Sit in a quiet place. I always have a journal when I practice the exam. And by the way, in recent days, my journal has been the Notes app on my iPhone. So that journal can be digital. But it's important that you do this at a time of day that is as distraction-free as possible, and that whenever you start, that you are reflecting on the previous 24 hours. So if you do this at breakfast every day, since last breakfast, or if you, you do an examine on your lunch break, or where I strongly recommend that you do an examine as you're lying in bed at night before you go to sleep, which you can do with a journal on your bedside table. To begin to prepare yourself, close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, and allow yourself to be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, By the way, notice that I didn't say feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't always feel the presence, but I come to be aware that the Holy Spirit is present with me. The second step of of an effective examine is to simply review the highs and lows of the day. Where were the moments where I felt joy and delight? Ignatius called that consolation. Where were the struggles and the pains? Ignatius called that desolation. Uh, As I think about the people that I interacted with uh, and and what we shared with each other, what what happened in each of those moments, which then moves me into step three, which is name your emotions. As I think about the highs and the lows of my day, the people I interacted with in the moments I was with God or distant from God, what am I feeling? Naming my emotions allows me then to know what to do with that emotion. At the very least, it allows it to be something that I have named rather than something that controls me. So I notice the points of my day where I felt something strongly, good or bad. And then I name each of those emotions and I ask God what he might say to me through those emotions. Most often as I practice a daily exam and what God says to me through any emotion is, I was there. That's it, that's most of what God says to me in those emotions and just knowing I was there is incredibly comforting. The fourth step of an effective examine practice is to select at least one of those moments to pray over. What was one of those moments to pray over? I was at a dinner with my dad just a couple of nights ago. We had gone and uh, served with some of you at Grace Resource Center, and then my dad went out to Lucky Luke's with me, and we had dinner together, and that was this amazing dinner. We had this great conversation. The food was pretty good, and at the end of the day, that was the moment I reflected on. God, thank you for that conversation. You see, I just took that moment, and I just prayed about that moment. God, thank you that you were there with me in that conversation with my dad. So positive or negative, well, I offer that moment to God in prayer. I thank God for the positive. I ask for peace, for an awareness of his presence, for guidance in the negative things. I repent if any of those moments of my day are related to sins that I have committed, uh, which, and then I encounter and receive the grace of God. And, and if it's needed, uh, if, if the thoughts or the moments are about other people, then I pray for those other people. And then I simply thank God for any of the lessons and the new understanding that I have from the day. And then the fifth phase or step of a healthy exam is that I then prepare for tomorrow. So I commit my tomorrow to God's leadership. I I invite God to be present with me through the rest of the next day. If I'm feeling anxiety about the next day, I'm going to tell him that. God, be with me as I feel this anxiety about tomorrow. God, give me peace or guidance or, or I'm excited about tomorrow. Thank you for the gift that tomorrow is going to bring. And then I commit to be present with God and submitted to his leadership. Usually what I'll do is I'll take a few more deep breaths to really close out that moment and then I move on. If I'm doing an exam, at the end of the day, move on usually means and then I fall asleep. Right, Or it means, and then I eat my lunch, depending on when it is. And I just just move on with the day. So uh, I find it personally helpful, and this is not something that you have to do, but I personally find it helpful to do something tangible to mark the beginning and end of an exam. So I really love to light a candle at the beginning of an exam as I set myself to pray. And then at the end, blowing out the candle actually becomes a function of closing the moment. And... Um, There's an idea in the Old Testament about the incense that goes up to God, and there's something about blowing out a candle and watching. I often just sit and watch the smoke of the candle as it is no longer burning, and just realizing that God has heard my prayers in that moment. God was with me in that moment. Again, you can do that if that is meaningful to you, but find some way to begin or end the day. As we wrap up our thoughts about examine, I, I will just say to you, uh, because it might be helpful, one of the challenges for me and for the people like me in the world that we live in is that when we do an examine, we're often tempted to expect action steps. And an examine is not an invitation to action, it's an invitation to presence presence with yourself and presence yourself with God. And so if you get to the end of an exam and you go, God, I don't feel like you told me to do anything, you're probably doing it right. There certainly are moments where God says, Kyle, here's what I want you to do, Kyle, go do the thing. And you know that you've been told by God to do something or to stop doing something, Kyle. I don't know why I picked on you just now. Happy New Year. But examine is not that moment. Examine is not the moment. Now, certainly, again, God can invade your examine moment and say, here's something I want you to do. But if he doesn't, remember that the moment is about being present with God, fully present with yourself and with God. It's about asking something more than, am I alive, but how well am I living? And am I living in the presence of God? Or uh, am I being invited into the presence of God? Examine allows me to see where I've done well, to celebrate. It allows me to be honest by, uh, with God about my mess ups and my struggles and my questions and things that I don't understand, to stop beating myself up and to just come and sit in the presence of God who I know loves me. Again, the goal of Examine is not performance, it's presence. It is that simple. And again, if it seems overly simplistic, good. In a world where everything has to be nuanced and detailed and super-duper clear and have incredible, detailed instructions, the examine is just about being with God on purpose every day. So it's the perfect discipline right there in the middle of our commitment to fast, to unplug, to examine, and then engage in Lectio for us to take a moment out of our day to just be still with God. So... As we launch into this year, as we launch into 2023, we are inviting you to join us on this 2023 simple start. We're doing this so that we can fuel our entire year at the very beginning from the outset with a committed focus firmly set on God and his kingdom. And before we leave this place, I want to invite you to reflect for a moment on how you might engage in this 2023 simple start. We're going to take communion in just a few moments, actually, to, to really launch into this year together and to kickstart this simple start, this commitment to fasting and unplugging and examining and, and getting into the word. But would you just take a moment and, and, and consider how you might answer these questions? How will you fast? Would you do one to two meals a day? Would you augment your diet in some way? How would you unplug? Completely? partially for a certain number of hours each day how will you examine over lunch before you fall asleep at night through conversation by doing highs and lows at the table with your family and how will you practice select you in, in the morning or the evening will you do that while you eat breakfast when will you spend time in the word will you sign up for The email list, or will you go to the website every day? Have an answer to these questions. And more than any of the practical things, this would be the moment where you begin to say, God, what do you want me to focus on in the next 23 days? What are you inviting me to start as we start this next year? In fact, to the best of your ability, knowing that there are some children in the room and parents, we want you to feel as flexible as you can. But can you just take a moment, if it's possible for you in this room or if you're joining us online, to just close your eyes and ask God that question How do you want me to begin this year? What do you want me to focus on this year? Take a moment to commit the next 23 days to God. Take a moment then also to commit 2023 to God. We have a practice a a tradition here that is certainly not unique to our church. And there's many different ways that this practice is engaged in. But I feel like today at the beginning of a year it's appropriate not only because it's our tradition to practice communion together, to take communion as a church at the first Sunday of every month. That's our tradition. But what a perfect Sunday for us to mark the reason we're even having this conversation about following the way of Jesus in some specific ways. What a perfect day to take communion together. Now, a caveat about the way we take communion: We, a life church, have what's called an open table, which means you don't have to uh, have gone through any membership class to be eligible to take communion. Communion is is about your relationship with Jesus, so we're not checking your wallet or or your membership or anything like that. Um, communion is the opportunity for you to have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, the one whose body was broken and whose blood was shed. And as we begin a year and as we begin 23 days of intentional focus through spiritual discipline and practice, we want to invite you to mark the beginning of this season coming to the table. The communion moment is a twofold practice, it's a reminder that the body of Christ was broken. There's many things that we could say about the body of Christ being broken. But as we take communion, we remember that the body of Christ was broken so that our broken relationship with God can be reconciled. The beauty of that is that there has never been a single person in the history of the world for whom God has said, I do not want relationship with you. His body was broken so that our relationship with God can be reconciled. And the beauty of the body is that then Jesus says, you become the body of Christ, the church. So we have our relationship reconciled to God and through God to each other. As we take the first step in our communion practice today, I want to invite you to hold this wafer in your hand, this wafer or cracker is a representative, a stand-in, an image of, if you will, the body that was broken for you. And as you join in this practice, in a moment I'm going to invite you, I'll say you can eat. And when I say you can eat, I want to invite you, if you want to receive this invitation, to receive the body of Christ broken for you so that your relationship with God can be reconciled. Your relationship with his church can be reconciled. And this is a moment for you, an invitation for you, to eat, to receive wholeness. God, we thank you, Father, that you sent your son to live worthy of being broken so that we could be made whole. What a gift that your body became the broken sacrifice to make us eligible for wholeness. As we eat today, as we mark the beginning of a season of 23 days of fasting, unplugging, examining, practicing Lectio, and as we begin an entire year, we eat with a commitment of all of these things in mind that we will lean into pursuing relationship with you, that you were broken to afford for us. When you're ready, eat and say thank you to the God who was broken so you could be made whole. The second phase of The communion discipline is to drink we have grape juice here that is like the cracker is a representation of the body the juice is a representation of the blood of christ i won't take time to unpack all of the theology but to say that what we believe is true about the blood of jesus is that the blood of jesus being shed was the payment to the, the theological term is atone for. Another way to look at that is we owed a debt because we were imperfect people. We have sinned against a perfect being, God. And just like if I sin against a person of high office, the punishment is greater depending on the the greatness of the office of the person, if I sin against the greatest being, the most perfect holy being, then I owe the greatest debt. Eternal separation from this holy being. Eternal loss of relationship. And Jesus said, I will become the one who sheds the blood to pay the price for the debt that is owed, And because he was God and man 100% simultaneously, his shed blood paid the price for all who would put their faith in Jesus. And so as we start 23 days of intentional fasting, unplugging, examining, and lectio, as we start into an entire year, would we make a commitment here today to be people of the blood of Christ? We don't do this because we are performing our way into relationship. We do this because you were broken and your shed blood made us eligible. And removed, as scripture says, our sins as far from us as the east is removed from the west. And so as you drink today, would you receive the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus for your sins as you drink, say thank you to the one who shed blood paid the price for you to be seen as righteous and holy in relationship with God. You may drink and thank the Lord. God, as we take communion together today, we say in our commitment for the next 23 days and let it be true for this year and the rest of our lives that we would live in communion with you and with each other. Thank you God. Bless us in these 23 days. Life church, my friends, may your hunger increase and your thirst deepen for righteousness. And may you, like it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, be filled, be satisfied. May you find during this year that your spirit and your soul are revived. And may your revival be a blessing of revival to those around you. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Friends, we are starting today 23 intentional days of a simple start, but a powerful start for this year. Before you leave this place, would you take a moment and spend some time greeting, hugging one another, blessing each other as we begin this year. We're going to keep on having services every single Sunday, uh, but from here until the next time that we see you Go out and keep being the church of Jesus Christ. Go and be a blessing in the world. God bless you. We will see you again here next week.